0: You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. So my name is Jason Baker. Um, If you're watching this video, there's a reason I was scheduled to preach for this Sunday. And I had knee surgery on Monday, and my recovery time has taken a little longer than planned. So thanks to technology, I'm still able to participate with you all um, as we study God's word today. So if you're wondering why you're having to watch a video, that's why. Um, So we'll go ahead and jump in. Um, As a kid, I wasn't very good at sports. Uh, I played t-ball, I was really good at hitting the ball when it was sitting still. That skill didn't transfer over too well when it came to Little League Baseball. Uh, I didn't do quite as well when people were throwing the ball at me. So at a very early age, I retired out of sports and ended up finding my place in Cub Scouts. And I worked all the way through Cub Scouts, went through Boy Scouts. And in Boy Scouts, once a month we would go camping and one of the most tedious parts about camping as a teenager was setting up our own tents and making sure we followed all the rules during the weekend that pertain to the tents so if we had a backpack that had the exterior frame or the metal frame we couldn't put it inside the tent because it might tear up the floor we had to be careful zipping up the tent doors and windows because we might break the zipper we had to take our shoes off where we entered the tents and the hardest one for teenagers, there was no roughhousing around the tents because those fiberglass poles were very fragile and just about every camping trip, something happened to one of the tents. And so air tents, um, as fragile as they were, they were only meant to be temporary dwellings. They weren't meant for us to live in them permanently and to connect that to our passage today we're going to look at how Paul compares our earthly bodies to tents in second Corinthians. Now, after I had already chosen this passage, uh, I found out that along the way to knee surgery was going to take place. And like I said, it took place on Monday. Uh, Leading up to this surgery, I dealt with increasing pain that would not go away. And even after the surgery, I'm still dealing with this pain. And so it's been a reminder to me that this tent that I live in is not what it used to be. And also reminded not only of my own frailty, but my wife now being my caretaker, having chronic illness, um, our household has been impacted by the limitations of our bodies. Uh, That being said, I'm very thankful for our church family, uh, co-workers and friends that have stepped up and offered assistance and support. You all have been a blessing to us. Uh, someone from church even took us to the surgical center and back home on monday um, all of that being said of what we've been going through when i was going through this passage i just couldn't help but think about family and friends and co-workers in our church family they're going through things that are much more significant uh, chronic illness and chronic pain cancer paralysis loss of sight and hearing, the imbalances that come in our bodies that lead to depression and anxiety, and so many other illnesses that we could sit here all day and list. So everyone in in this room is either suffering from something, or at least knows someone that is. Our bodies in this fallen world impacted by sin are fragile, and we are limited and more susceptible to temptation to sin, illness and despair living in our temporary dwellings. So the question we're going to ask today and we're going to answer is how can we live in tents? Before we get started, uh, in our passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 through 10, we'll go ahead and pray. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the gathering of the saints that we can study your word, Lord. God, I just pray that we will be encouraged by your word, a future hope that you have promised us. And also that we will respond to the responsibilities that we have now in this life. And just pray, God, that your word will speak to our hearts and cause us to move today. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we get into our passage, I want to take a moment uh, to point out a theme in 2 Corinthians. And the theme is there's a tempor- temporary frailness in our earthly bodies, followed by a future hope. Um, and there's a couple of examples I want to just mention. I'll mention the scripture reference and summarize what Paul is communicating. In 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10, Paul speaks of affliction in asia and he was certain that he would lose his life this is how fragile his life is and after the affliction he's praising god for deliverance and was certain of future deliverance being his future hope in 2 corinthians 4 7 through 16 paul refers to our bodies as jars of clay as jars of clay we're fragile and our outer self is wasting away Yet we have the treasure of light of Christ in us and we are renewed inside. This gives us a present and a future hope as well. So now we're going to look at kind of the same theme in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 through 10, and we see that the same thing of limitations and a future hope continue. So if you have your Bible with you, we'll be in 2nd Corinthians 5, 1 through 10. Reading out of the ESV version, if you have a bulletin, the passage will be in it. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we will be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body than at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So Acts 18 verses 1 through 3 informs us we that Paul was a tent maker. It was actually in Corinth, the church that he's writing to, that he practiced this trade with Aquila and Priscilla. So Paul knew the people of Corinth Corinth would be very familiar with tents and chose to use this as a comparison to our earthly bodies and how fragile they are. Yet there's a future hope of having a new body someday. So how can we live in tents? Our first point today is we live knowing that our earthly bodies are temporary. Verse one, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Paul is writing this because he is very much aware of how fragile life is. He has suffered greatly in his ministry. Suffering is all too too familiar for him. His body has been beaten numerous times, sometimes with 39 lashes. He's been stoned, left to the elements, hungry and thirsty, shipwrecked and stranded at sea. In danger from robbers, strangers, and his own people, he has suffered much affliction. We know that from 2 Corinthians 11, 16-33. He was most certainly contemplating his own mortality as he wrote this. We also know that he's been afflicted with some form of suffering from what he referred to as a thorn in the flesh. We know this from 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10. Even members of the Corinthian church had turned on him. As a church that he dearly loved. He was familiar with physical, emotional, and spiritual affliction. While he acknowledges that our present body or tent is a fragile vessel, where suffering and pain reside, he does so looking to a future of an eternal heavenly building created for each of us by God. Romans 8.18 Paul speaking of this future glory. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth, the, worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. While Paul acknowledges his present suffering, his hope was in the future glory and body that God had made for him. We have that same hope, and like Paul, we long to be further closed. If we only focus on how temporary our lives are, We may be tempted to focus only on this life as it is, but for us as Christians, we have a future hope and a longing deep inside each one of us. And this longing leads us up to point two. We live with a longing to be further clothed. Verses two through four. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So by saying we look to be further clothed and not unclothed, Paul could be referencing a set of false teachings called Gnosticism. Paul encountered Gnosticism multiple times in in different churches, and Gnostics deemed the flesh as completely evil in the pursuits of spiritual things. They believed that when we died, we were just spirit, and we would be unclothed or shed the evil of the flesh. Well, they denied the biblical creation account in Genesis. What is most concerning, and the true mark of Gnosticism is a false teaching, is what they believe about Jesus. They believe that Christ, the Son of God, was just a spirit with no physical form ever. This Christ found a man named Jesus and possessed him. This would imply that Jesus the human would have been fallen and sinful. By believing Jesus was two individuals, one spirit and one human, it denied the truth that Jesus was and is one person of the Trinity. He was 100% man and 100% God. It denied that he was the flawless, sinless sacrifice for our salvation. It denied he was raised from the dead and transfigured his earthly body into a perfect one that was meant to dwell in heaven. All of this had to be true in order for his sacrifice to atone for us. If Gnosticism was true, we may as well go home now because we have no hope. But praise God it's false. So let's see what the Bible says about the claims that Gnosticism had. 2 John 7 says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. To argue against this heresy, Paul tells us that our groanings in this tent is a desire to be fully further clothed in the heavenly eternal body or building God has created for us. Here are some other words from Paul concerning the resurrection body we will have. Romans 8.23 And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies. Philippians 3:20 20 through 21 tells us we will have a resurrected body like our Savior. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even to subject all things to himself. Not only will our bodies be redeemed, but our bodies will also be free of illness free of sin and the effects of sin. We will have bodies that will allow us to finally be in the full presence and glory of our Lord and Savior and worship him in person. With these events taking place in the future, we must live by faith, looking forward to them. And This leads us to point three. We live by faith and not by sight. Verses five through eight. He who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. As believers, We have the presence and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit in a believer is the guarantee we will see Christ and be transformed into a new creation. So we have the courage that whatever hits us in this life, we have an unshakable and definite future that we can hope in. Yet this still calls for faith because we cannot see the future that lies ahead. But we have the promise that it will come this life is just the beginning of eternity for us growing up in church i've always heard live by faith and not by sight it looks good on t-shirts posters but what does it actually look like being practiced in our lives so i'm going to start off with how people live by sight as fallen sinful human beings. Living by sight is our default setting. We act as if we're in control. We believe we can always fix things. We rely on our own abilities. We cling to reputation, appearance, and position. We may even come to church and do and say all the right things, but through the week we don't seek his counsel in the word. We don't pray, We live our own desire out in understanding. It is practical atheism and it's idolatry. We live in the here and now and rely on our own senses. We are placing our faith in ourselves instead of God. We do all these things instead of clinging to the cross of Christ and his promises, knowing that the only thing, only the things of the Lord will last. So then, what does it mean to live by faith? Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be the healing to your flesh, and refreshment to your bones. To live by faith is to trust God, to seek him and his way in all things, and to not trust our own understanding, to know that God's wisdom is much higher and beyond our ability. Romans 15, 13 says, May the the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We find our hope, joy, and peace. And believing in the promises of God. He is always with us, and we are not to we are to lean on the leading of God's word and the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. This is basically God's response to Paul when Paul requests that God take away his thorn in the flesh. And God, he Paul is saying, but he said to me. We throw ourselves upon the sufficiency and the sufficient grace of God. We realize our power is really weakness and embrace the truth. By doing so, we embrace the power of Christ. We endure all things knowing this is not the end. We are living in tents now, but we have not seen our final home. That in our final home, we will be free. Free of sin, free of ailments free to fall at our Savior's feet and worship him with no limitations. We will, be fully, we will fully know the love and power of our Lord. This is the promise that we believe and cling to in all situations, as difficult as they may be. Living by faith is fully surrendering to Jesus and his Lordship on a daily basis. So what are we seeking to do by fully surrendering to Christ on a daily basis? What is our aim? And that leads us to our point four. We live with the aim to please God. Verses nine through 10. So whether we are home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So while we have a future hope, we have a present responsibility. And that is pleasing God. So how can we aim to please God? Hebrews eleven six. And Without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We must live by faith. We draw near to God through sanctification. Sanctification is what takes place uh, at the starting point of our salvation or when we are justified. It's The work of Christ through the rest of our lives to make us more and more like him. It also means that God has set us aside for his purpose. If we are not being sanctified or growing to be more like our Savior, then we've not been justified to begin with. Genuine faith will always produce works in the life of a believer. James one through 22-25 But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For if he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. As just stated, faith will produce works in the life of a believer. We are to look into God's word and obey. Actively obeying God's word will bring about honor to God. And as Hebrews 11.6 said, he will reward those who seek him. Someday, we will all stand before God for judgment. For the believer, this is what Paul is referring to as the judgment seat of Christ. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the book, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. There is a great white throne judgment. In this passage, there are other books mentioned, and then there's the book of life. The book of life is based on if we have been saved by Jesus Christ. If our name's in the book of life, that determines our ultimate destination. His righteousness is all that, is the, all that we can claim, and the only way our names will be written in this book is through his blood that we are saved. But there are other books that are records of our works for the judgment seat of Christ that Paul mentions. It's for the believers, and each believer's work will be brought forth and weighed by Jesus. The judgment seat of Christ is not for our salvation. That's already been determined. This has determined the rewards that we will get for the works that we did on earth. And the Bible mentions that there are crowns That will be given as rewards for us. In the form of these rewards, someday we will literally be able to lay down all that we have done for Jesus in this life at his feet. How we live to please God in this life will equip us to please God in heaven. I would encourage you to look up Joni Erickson Tada if you're not familiar with who she is. At 17 years old, she became a paraplegic from a diving accident. Uh, She's now 73 years old. She's been paralyzed for over 50 years. In an interview, she was asked about heaven, and this is what she had to say. This is the only time in history when I get to fight for God. This is the only part of my eternal story when I'm actually in the battle. Once I die, I'll be in celebration mode in a glorified body in a whole different set of circumstances. But this is my limited window of opportunity, and I'm going to fight the good fight for all that I'm worth. This leads us to our main point today. So how can we live in tents? We live in tents with hopeful anticipation and faithful service to our Savior. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you and thank you that you have given us so much hope all through your word of a future that we can't see now. And sometimes it may seem difficult to hope in, but we have your word over and over again that you have this promised for us, that the suffering will end, that someday we will be made whole, and we will get to dwell with you uh, in your perfect presence, Lord. So God, I would just thank you for this promise. And just thank you for salvation itself that makes all of this possible. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.